that this morning. Let's speak to him just now. Great and mighty living Lord Jesus. What an extreme honor it is, Lord, to bow in your presence. Lord, to speak to you this morning, Lord, with faith in our hearts. We're not just sending a text out or making a phone call, Lord, or maybe writing a letter to some principality, some governor in this land, Lord, but we've brought our petition and our request, Lord, right to your feet. There's no higher power, Lord. There's no appealing over you, Lord. You are God and you are God alone. Lord, you're not some great big mean and hateful thing, Lord, waiting to burn us up or blow us up with lightning at any second. But, Lord, you are nothing but the most sweetest, most precious, living Lord Jesus. We love you this morning with all that's within us, Lord. How great and kind and long-suffering and merciful and gentle that you are, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for inhabiting our praise this morning. What a privilege it is, Lord, not to just be standing around to sing any song, Lord, but from our hearts, Lord, making love to you this morning, telling you how much you mean to us. How much we long for you, Lord. We want more. We must get closer, Lord. We must get nearer. We worship. We love you, Lord Jesus. You are our heart's cry this morning. You are our priority, Lord. More than our very next breath, Lord God. We want more of you, Jesus. Have your way here this morning. Lord, speak for your people today. Your wonderful words of life. Lift us up higher in you, Lord. You're the one that meets our needs, Lord. You're the one that's obligated himself, Lord. Standing here this morning, Lord, we've, we've, we've put in our prayer requests, Lord, I'm, that I'm sure there were many that weren't spoken. But, Lord, you see that need. Lord, I'm just a human being, Lord. I fail in my flesh all the time, Lord. There's nothing that I could say that could help my brother or sister, Lord. But you know exactly what they're going through this morning. You know exactly how the enemies come against them. You know exactly what test or trial that they're in at this moment, Lord. The reason you know this is you're right there beside them. Lord, you know what they've been asking you, Jesus. You know what their prayer requests are, Lord. Meet that need today, Lord. Move in a very supernatural, a very powerful way. Speak to us, we ask this in your precious, lovely name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you this morning. It's wonderful to see you all out in the house of the Lord. Are you glad you come this morning? Amen. You believe God will meet your need? Amen. God bless you. Good to see each one of you today. Let's, while you're standing, if you'll take your Bible and just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> Do you love his word? It'll speak to your heart in, in ways you can never imagine. What a mighty God we serve today would be our part two on faith is the boss. I want to read just a, a couple verses to you this morning. First Corinthians chapter 15. This is Paul writing to you in verse 50. First Corinthians chapter 15. God bless you, each one, this morning. Pray the Lord's richest blessings upon you. May his face shine upon you. Amen. Chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, 
For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must. Yours is italicized like mine. It must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass this saying, the saying that, this, that, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. He says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast. Be steadfast this morning, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Labor is not in vain. There's many of each one of us are sitting here this morning. I would be curious if there was a way to count the number of prayers that you've prayed in your life. I'd be curious. I know that only God would know that. There's not one of us in here with a good enough memory to be able to say, I've prayed, you know, 247,313 times plus the prayer just now that we were a part of. You wouldn't be able to do that. I wonder if you could pray and maybe look back through your life and your walk and your experience the Lord and think about when you prayed, how were you believing? Was your heart full of faith when you prayed, when you made your request, when you brought your petition before the Lord? And I've thought many times in, in, in my prayer life, and, and I've told you many times how what God has put on my heart the way that I pray. As, as far as for each one of you, and, and just in that area, and that aspect alone, I know that there's many times that, and, and I've shared that with you, how Satan comes against me, and will, Satan will fight me so drastically, trying to distract me, trying to get me forget he, who I'm praying for, get all these different things to come at me, to get my mind off of what's going on in that moment. Everything he can do to stop any even sliver of faith to be in me when I'm praying for you. You know, it's a battle. Prayer's a battle. It's an actual battle. Brother Ram taught how that the greatest battlefield is right here in your mind. That's the greatest battlefield. That's the greatest battle that was ever fought. Now, you live in this mind. This is how you operate. This is how you function in this world. This is, you're using these faculties and all this. This is how you function in this life. And each one of us, we have a mind. Your mind is different than your brain. Your mind falls in that other realm, in that other sense. And, and, and it's operated by your spirit. It is operated by your spirit as the way that mind works. And we've talked a lot about how that you'll start to accumulate things in your life as you walk through this world. And, and there's so many things that you've no doubt accumulated of, of things that just, it, it just in complex, in the negative aspect of that alone. Things that sit there and they work as a buffer between you and your faith. Between you getting your answer, between you getting through to that spirit and breaking through that wall that stands between you and your reward. And they stand there as a buffer between you and that. So much so that when you stand and pray, that maybe you're doing it half-heartedly. Maybe you're doing it well. Might work. A lot of people, you know, Brother Matt, he's talked about that a lot. So, well, I guess we could pray about it. Any subject, any matter, any such thing. And, well, I guess we can pray about it. No, no. 
It's got to change that perspective. It's got to change. So you got to have confidence in your armor this morning. You got to have confidence in your weapon this morning. You think about Samson standing there and those thousand Philistines were coming at him and the only thing that was around was that jawbone on that ass. And, and, and that's not a big weapon. You understand that a jawbone of an ass is not a big weapon. If you're looking at it, it's itty bitty little tiny thing. You, you might as well be holding a book. It's not like he was holding some sword or, or some big mace or club or nothing like that. He picked up the only thing. I was thinking about that this morning. Why he didn't use his hands? Why didn't he just take his hands and just smash them in the head as they come down? But God had, he, had to take that man and say that right there will do the job. And, and, you know, he lives in this world, too. He grew up around there his whole life. He knew that when bones, when, when life has left a bone, that it becomes very weak. When life leaves your bones, right now, your bones can sustain so much weight and so much pressure in your current condition. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. But once the life leaves that bone, it'll just shatter and brittle and, and there's no strength whatsoever. So you have this bone, the prophet would tell you, is laying on the ground in the desert, bleached by the sun, brittle as can be. It should have shattered on the first blow. You think Samson didn't know that? I don't know why he said that, but that'll work. He had to have faith in what God let him grab. He had to have faith to believe that I've been commissioned for something. I've been told something. I've been given a purpose. And I say this all the time. You've not been given your purpose by your, by your mayor, by a president, by a governor, by an earthly king. You've been given your purpose by the creator, the Elohim, the I am. So I promise you, he can back up whatever he made you to do. I promise you that this morning. There is nothing our God cannot do. There's nothing. Our God. You really believe that this morning? You know, you find in the scripture when even with Sarah is laughing at what Elohim just told Abraham. He said, And Isaac, thy name, thy seed shall be called. Thy, thy seed shall be called. And, and she laughs in her heart. And, and, and God says this kind of statement. He said, With well, man, this is impossible. He's not disputing that. I understand. Your body's dead. The prophet told about Abraham that the wellspring, the life of his body had done dried up and his body was dead as far as being able to reproduce. And Sarah was always barren. He said, with uh, no, no, no doubt, no, no, no disagreement, no debate here. I understand with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. All things are possible. Now, faith, it doesn't really matter what you've been told if you don't believe it. It don't really matter what you've been promised if you don't accept it. It don't really matter what's been given to you if you don't put it to work in your daily life. It doesn't matter. You, you could have, uh, you know, the president of the United States, they used to have a thing they call around called the football, and it would have all the nuclear codes in it. <clears throat> and that would be guarded by a secret service agent. He'd have, a, he'd have a handcuff to himself all the time. And that's what the president could get to really quick to be able to push buttons and retaliate in case that we were attacked for any reason or purpose. See, see, prayer is way more powerful than any nuclear or atomic bomb. Amen. Way more powerful. See, when you go to your knees in your closet or in your bedroom or in your wherever it might be and you bow, again, we say this all the time because I want you to have the right perspective. When you're bowing, you're not just, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to just rest for a minute. You are entering into that dimension. 
you're entering into his courts. And the Bible teaches you the way to do so. You enter in his gates with praise. You enter in with thanksgiving, Lord. You've got the ten lepers that come before him. Lord, if thou will, be, make us whole. And, and, and they go away, show the priest. And, and as the man's walking away and seeing that he's healed, he turned back and he gave thanks. He gave thanks. And not only was he healed, but he was restored. See, when you come into his presence, it's always about your motive and objective. Why are you asking this? What is this request for? Are you praying for a million dollars? Are you praying to be six foot nine? Are you praying to be, you know, 300 pounds solid muscle or the opposite for a lady? You understand you're not praying for these purposes. I, I brought this request. I brought this petition. This desire in my heart is not my desire. If it's a good desire, if it's a good request, it only comes from him. He's loving that person through me. So I bring this request that he put in me back to him watered with faith that I know he'll meet that need not think not think but I know it there's a difference when it's just head knowledge there's a difference when it's well I know God can but will he see faith says he will faith says he will faith says he will do it he said he'll do it now in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 just that next chapter over there in verse 13 Paul is saying, he said, watch ye, watch ye. Pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Don't get distracted. Don't look away. Satan's always after your attention. Satan has designed so many things while he's deformed and perverted. So many things to steal your attention, to keep you from, from reading your Bible, from praying, for listening to tapes, for even spending time in fellowship. You'll have so much more things to do besides fellowship. But in that fellowship and in that moment, you, you, you'll be able to enter into that same presence that your heart and your soul should be yearning and longing for. And the reason why fellowship works in such a way, because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name. See, the prophet would tell you, a prophet with a seventh grade education would tell you, he, he made that comment one time, Brother Bosworth said, Brother Ram, do you know what fellowship is? And he's like, I think so. What are you going with this? He said, well, it's basically just two fellows in one ship. Two fellows in one ship. See, this is a uh, this tabernacle that you're looking at right now, this house that you're looking at right now, it should to have, have two occupants, me and the Lord Jesus. I must have fellowship with him. I, I'm not full of darkness, not anymore, praise the Lord. I'm not full of darkness. I, I'm full of light, and, and that light to be expressed. Now that light, he will say that you wouldn't take that a light and put it under a bushel and hide it. He said, but a city that is this, you being that city, he'll put you up on a hill where all can see you. So you'll take your city and that city and that city and you come together. The whole world is alight with the glory of the Lord. And that fellowship brings in union. Satan's out to steal that fellowship. Satan's out to kill your fellowship. Satan's out to destroy your fellowship. You find there in Malachi that he had to restore everything that the palmer worm, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the locust had destroyed. God restored it. The prophet taught you that the leaves of the tree were fellowship. They were fellowship. Between one another. Well, maybe that person said something to me. Maybe that person said something about me. Maybe that person thought this. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't talk to them no more. Maybe we shouldn't hug them anymore. Maybe we shouldn't. That's the devil. That's not God. That's not God. Well, they were my worst enemy. See, there's a, there's a scripture for that. While you were his enemy, he gave his life for you. Well, this person said somebody, yeah, but your sins put nails through his hands. My sins put nails through his hands. My sins put stripes on his back. Yet he still loves me. Before I could ever love him. 
well, maybe when they start loving me, then I'll start loving them. No, it don't work like that. See, love's contagious. Love's contagious. The prophet, I read that to you last Sunday, that love and faith are a relation. They're a relation. You're not talking about just a normal measure of faith. And I, I didn't write that scripture down where every man's given a measure of faith where that you would walk over and you flip your light switch on. You know the light will come on. Or you go to start your car and you know your car will come on. Or you, you get up in the morning and you swing your legs over inside the bed and you know they'll work in the morning because they did the night before. Not that kind of faith. But a faith that is anchored and, and wrapped up in a revelation that I know he'll do what he said. Come on now. I know he'll do what he said. See, the beauty of the word of this day is another confirmation and vindication that God keeps his word. Come on now. God keeps his word. See, I shared that with you. We had a, a little conversation with a Catholic lady just a couple weeks ago. And, and the daughter was standing at the, at the kitchen sink, and I was talking to her mom right here. The mom's 87, not sure what the daughter is, but talking to me. And she's Catholic. She's telling me about the coming of the Lord. We're just waiting on the coming of the Lord. We're just waiting on that. And she said how that, you know, I believe that us Catholics will be able to get everybody back into fellowship, all these different things. And she's talking about that and about the coming of the Lord. At the same time, her sister, her daughter says, I'm waiting on the coming of Elijah. And I'm not feeling well that day. I'm standing there hurting my back. And, and, her, and her mom was saying this. And I heard her say that. And I thought, what would you just say? See, that's found in the scripture. See, we, we've shared that with you. Most people don't understand the scripture. They would read, well, I've been taught all my life. This one I've told here about the, about the rapture and about the coming of the Lord. If we were to jump to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if we were to, all these scriptures that talks about the coming of the Lord, and, and you'll find, well, it's just going to be this way. But if you read the whole book, it says that Elijah must first come. Elijah must first come. So where would that Elijah be? And you have, again, I find it so coincidental that I have a Catholic lady telling me what the scripture says about what they should be looking for. They just doesn't understand that he had already come. See, they'd ask Jesus one time, and when they're looking at him and realizing that this is the Messiah, and they make this statement, wait a minute now, I thought Elias must first come. They're telling Jesus that. We're looking at the Messiah. You are the anointed. You are the Lamb of God. You are the I Am standing in flesh. Now, if that's what you are, the Word also says in Malachi chapter 3, not 4, but in chapter 3 about John the Baptist, that he should come. And he asked him, he said, what about that? And he said, he's already coming. You didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. And you find now in, in this day about what the prophet that God sent Malachi chapter 4, the use of that spirit in this day, what God has done. And even now, so many have no idea anything about him. Brother Aaron was sharing with us, uh, it's either um, Wednesday night after he was fellowshipping or, or, or Thursday morning, was talking about there in Life Tabernacle in Shreveport, Louisiana. Brother Bram preached something like 30, 40 different services there for the Jack Moore there in Shreveport, Louisiana. He preached uh, Invisible Union there. He preached uh, Trying to Do God a Service. He preached Words His Faith Express. He's preached On the Wings of a Snow White Dove. So many sermons preached there in that particular tabernacle there in Shreveport, Louisiana. And such supernatural, powerful things. But he showed me a picture that they had on uh, he went to their Facebook page and you have to be a member of their Facebook page at Life Tabernacle to be able to see everything but they've got certain pictures you can see on their Facebook page and on the they would have certain pictures of Brother Jack with Brother Branham and they would be people so literally just the next generation people in their 50s, 40s and 50s that have been going to that church and asking who's the guy beside Brother Jack who's that man standing beside Brother Jack and they said, well, that was, you know, just William Branham, just an evangelist, just that would come through. 
and they used a lot of justs about someone. They had another picture that he showed me that he screenshotted, and it's got a picture of Brother Branham. It's something like the picture like right here, and he's preaching to the church right there back in 56, I think it was. And this was, they put it on a calendar. And at the bottom of the calendar of the picture, they had a, a, this little writing that said, the day we broke our Sunday school record. 870-something people in Sunday school that day. The day we broke our, and William Branham standing there preaching. They come to hear something. They, they knew something was alive. They see the, the words, the life, Jesus coming off the pages of the Bible. Not in a man, but in the move of what God did through that man. So, again, if we were to stand here this morning and, and try to, to tell you that we're preaching uh, just what Paul preached or, or just what Irenaeus, I'm not talking you know, any, diminishing, any diminishing to what they brought, but it is a progression. It is a progression. We say this all the time. The word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. That it is constantly moving. The word is constantly moving. If you were to stand here this morning with the light of Paul and you had a, a request that, that you wanted to bring before the Lord Jesus, Lord, I need this done. I, I need this request met, Lord. I have a need for my family. I have a need for my family, for my body, for, for some love and whatever it might be, Lord. I have this and I need this. And I know, Lord, that I see you only through a glass darkly. You'd be out of time. You'd be out of season. You'd be out of your moment. And it would prove that you didn't have the Holy Ghost. Because the proof of the Holy Ghost is walking with a revealed word of your day, of your hour, of your age, of what God's revealed in your day. And it's not just the way revelation works. It, I, I can't even put it into words. I'm just not smart enough. That it, it, It's in such a way that, that, that you, it's almost like touching the tip of an iceberg. You, 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 and most of the time, the iceberg is buried in the water. So you see this little bitty old tip of it, and you, oh, oh my goodness, I've got the iceberg, and I see the iceberg, and then something else moves, and I'm like, wow, there was more of that iceberg than I ever thought. And then you realize that you still haven't even got into point zero zero one percent of that iceberg. You just go going, you keep going, you keep going, you keep digging. Uh, that rock of revelation, you keep digging down deep. Jesus would say, build a house upon a sand, you're going to fall. Build a house upon a rock of revelation, you will never fall. See, in that foundation of faith and what God has built up, it's a purest sense of trust. And the simplest way to put it is, I believe him. I believe him. See, in our day has been the mysteries of the seals, the mystery that was here before the foundation of the world. We, we share that with you a lot, and I know what gets common, but there's never been a day like this day. There's never been a word available. There's never been a clarity. There's never been a purity. There's never been an accessibility to the I am like this day. Never been. And so if, if Adam, in because again, before the foundation of the world, this mystery was hid before then. So, and, and I say this many times, that Adam, he could only perhaps move a mountain. He could only perhaps you know, stop the wind. He could only, without having what you have. He didn't have the mysteries hid before the foundation of the world. He didn't know him as your redeemer. He didn't know him as the restorer of your family, as a deliverer. He didn't know him that way. You do, don't you? Not think, but you know him that way. You've been redeemed. You've been restored. You know him already so much more than what Adam did. Has he healed your body? That's an amen. Has he lifted you up out of the muck of sin? That's an amen. Is he God everywhere you go? That's an amen. More than Adam ever knew. 
And it doesn't bring a, a, a grudge. It doesn't bring a chip on your shoulder. It doesn't bring a, well, they don't see it like I see it, so we can't be that. No, no, no. It brings a love. The prophet would tell you that, that it would come along beside someone. You put your arm around them. And what God has shown me, this is just in the light of a better understanding. I'm no better than you. This is his mercy to me. And I pray that my spirit would be right where that your ears could actually hear what I'd have to tell you. Because if I come to you this morning and I'm all bitter and I'm all eat up with angst and grief and, and, and I'm just sour and as lemon and acidic as can be and I'm just burning and blasting at you, you wouldn't want to hear a word I got to say. Your ears that would be functioned and be controlled by your spirit was shut down. Yeah, I'm in the same room. I hear him talking and I'd probably hear someone honked outside, but I ain't going to hear what he's got to say. See, there's a motive and objective. There's a way. There's a path. There's a way to get there so that your faith can be encouraged, that your spirit can be renewed, that your heart and your life can be revived in the presence of the Word. The Word tells you where you're standing right now. We're not walked out on a thin ice this morning. We were talking about icebergs, but, but you're not standing on thin ice this morning. You're not standing in 30 feet of sand or atop of a sinkhole or, or quicksand. You're standing on a rock. And as you walk around, because footsteps denote possession, as you walk around, you see everything you own because you abide in Him. And if you abide in Him who created everything, He said, this I give unto you. Do you believe where you're walking this morning? See, there's none that ever walked this way before. None have ever walked this way before. You're called to something that, that many others weren't called to. And he said this many times, you're not in a picnic. This will be the hardest fight of your life. I heard a, I heard a brother was just repeating what Brother Branham said just the other day. People say that when I, when I come to the Holy Ghost, when I, when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, my life was, oh my goodness, everything was beautiful, everything was better. The prophet said, now the fight just begun. It's just begun. Now it's just, you thought you were in a fight before. He said, now every gun in hell is trained on you. Let that sink in just a minute. Every gun in hell is trained on you. Every gun. Mm. Every gun. Turn back to verse 1 of chapter 15. <clears throat> chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, and you understand that these were written in a letter form. They weren't put into a, uh, a, a book in chapter and verse until much later on. So this would have been written in a letter form. And I've, and I've shared with you so many times how much I love the way the Bible will word things, the way it will break up parts, the way that it will emphasize, and it will use punctuation and commas and semicolons and, and try to, try to and, and it's so easy because, again, the prophet will tell you you can't read it like a newspaper. You can't just keep trucking along. Well, you know, the stock market is this, and your neighbor did this, and, and this happened in Pakistan. No, no, no. You've got to be able to stop and study and, for one, believe each word that you're reading. Believe it, and we don't have time to jump into all the 15, 14 verses before now to build the platform and the background where he at. But he wants you to grab you in this moment, in this point. Paul says, moreover, moreover, brethren, I declare, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received. You got it received in your heart this morning? Is that a check? 
I've received it. Now he says, and wherein you stand. Now that you've received what was preached, you've received it, you've accepted it, and now you can stand on it. Firmly stand on it. He said, by which also you're saved. If you keep in memory. If you keep in memory. If you keep in memory. How do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. If you were to jump in the book of, let's just say, Psalms alone and see how many times the Lord Jesus said, Do you remember when I brought you out of Egypt with a mighty strong hand? Do you remember when I parted the Red Seas? Do you remember when I killed all of Pharaoh's army? Do you remember when I give you bread in the wilderness every single day? Do you remember when I give you water and had me as a rock, as a rock in a great weary land followed you? Do you remember that? How many times can you go back through just the book of Psalms alone and say, God, do you remember that? What God has done. See, it's, it's interesting how a con man will be that would try to dissuade, to try to twist, to try to get your eyes and thoughts off. See, sin means to miss the mark. Miss the mark, you means you're aiming at something. I've got a bullseye. Paul said, I'm pressing toward that prize. I'm pressing toward that mark, and I'm not turning away either thing. Now, in a trajectory... In a trajectory from point A to point B, many things can go wrong. Many things can go wrong as far as trajectory. This is why origin is so important to destination. Origin is so important to destination. If I'm aiming at that right there, but I'm coming at an angle, and there's no way I could ever hit it, you've got to be lined up from the beginning. To the end, you got to be lined up from way back when it first was started to the very end of a matter, right straight through. That way that you're not any swerving, there's no swerving or vain jangling or babbling or, or false talking of genealogies and heresies and nonsense like that. It's going right there, not to miss the mark. Now, Satan is so perverted, the, the flesh of this world, he's so perverted, he was able to get into the most subtle beast of all, to get in and to insert his arrow, his seed, his pointer, his doubt, his unbelief in a human flesh. And they started to twist that. And then he come through and he did that and got into Eve. And then Eve brought Cain. And then Cain brings all that lineage. And it was taught that from his very beginning, from his very beginning, he was the son of the evil one. In the very beginning, Cain was the son of the evil one. You'll find nowhere in Scripture where Scripture says Adam was the evil one. Never will Adam be called. He was the son of God. The son of God. So when that mark, when that arrow was coming from a Genesis and moving down, Satan got in there and Satan tried to stain it. Satan tried to deform it. Satan perverted it and pulled man's hearts and ideas and thoughts away from the way of life. He perverted and deformed and, and hybridized the way of life. It doesn't really mean this. It probably means this. Now, if you notice that if it's not this and you're headed this way, but it actually means this, that means you're going this way away from that direction. Now, the scripture is very clear how it lays out a path and, and a set of blueprints that it must be this, it must be this, it must be this to line up with that. 
Now, the prophet would tell you uh, the, three, the three lights to be able to line up any request or desire that you have in your heart. That, that, you, would, that you would have shipmen or, or, or captains of boats that what they would do before on a dark night, maybe they couldn't see the sky. They would have these, these different uh, big old flames or lights or whatever it was. And this one particular harbor was very treacherous. That if you didn't come in a certain way, you would be dashed upon the rocks and it would crash your ship. You'd be broken up and everyone would die. Everyone would die. But they had a way that... If you could ever get those three lights turned to where you only seen one, you could come perfectly straight up in the harbor and not crash, shipwreck, and die. But you got to line all three up. All three. You can't be, well, I see two sticking out or one. See, no, no. It must be perfectly lined up to where you only see one. That way you have a perfect trajectory to not die, but to know the way of life and the path to that other dimension. Powerful, isn't it? Well, I guess it can just be any old way. I can just do what I want. I can think what I want. No, you can't. No, you can't. You must only think what he says. Now, that's even in a believer's heart, in a believer's mind. Well, you think with people that are struggling with a, a revelation, they're struggling with a message, they're struggling with what God has done in this day. Well, I think maybe it's this. And, and that's true. That would be a more negative contrast. But even so to you, a believer this morning, that if you're sitting here and Satan is able to talk to you out of certain promises and rewards that God has for you in your life, and he have have you living defeated and weak and beggarly elements of the world to where that you can't use that protection that this word affords. That you couldn't use the protection that this word affords. See, to be adopted in this day, it's a very amazing and wonderful thing. We're not talking about such a, such a thought of, of, of perhaps that you, know, you, you have someone that's never, maybe never had children and want to adopt or someone who wants more children and wants to adopt and, well, that person's that way. No, no, no. You, the, in the way of the Old Testament, in the way of that culture, in the way of that custom, to be adopted would be to be able to uh, be in a man, uh, in a man state. And a man, uh, you quit like a man. You stand strong in the faith. You've girded up your loins. You're mature now. And you can stand on the word, not as a child, not as a calf in the stall anymore, but a full-grown adopted son and daughter of God. Now, what that affords you is full authority and power. What that affords you is the authority and the power that was given to the Lord Jesus. Because you've been made heirs with him. The way that adoption works is you always were a son or daughter of God. But now you've been child trained. Just like Malachi says, you've been raised up as calves in the stall. You're no longer a child. You're no longer desiring just milk. But you've come up and you're eating that full, sincere meat. You're, you're feasting on the meat. The prophet would say, or the scripture would say, that sincere, the body word of the Son of Man. Not the Son of God, not the Son of David, the Son of Man, which means present. Now, eating like this, adopted like this, it puts you in a, in a, uh, it puts you into a realm that you're not just living here. It puts you not just seated in heavenly places, but now you're exuding heavenly places. Because... The way this ambassadorship works, the way this works is that in that authority and power, you can now claim, because remember, footsteps and no possession, you can now claim this part of your land, this part of your side as a part of that kingdom. Think about that. You 
adopted, holy, sanctified, justified, sanctified, filled the Holy Ghost. That's one part. Now you must be grazed up as calves in the stall. That's one part. But now you're to be a strong man eating the strong meat, and now you're fully adopted. He knows that you've got the word, that you know what he's done with it, that he can trust you with it. Near the sons of thunder, James and John, that, that they got mad at somebody. And they're standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And they said, Lord, let's just call down thunder and destroy them all. Let's just call down thunder. And the Lord Jesus says, you don't understand. You just don't understand. There's a thing about being a child. Because remember, power without character is satanic. Power without character is satanic. No matter what kind of power it is. It don't matter if you've got power on the person who raises that blind up. I'm in charge of raising that blind up. And, and I can raise it up. I don't want you to raise it up. It, 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 without character, it's satanic. It don't matter what it is. But with supreme power, with a Christ-like character, nothing can stop you. And again, you're not thinking your thoughts. You're, you're, you're long dead. You've so surrendered your life to Christ. You're so saturated in his presence that when you speak, it's him that speaks. But I still, my flesh still struggles with this. You'll have that. There'll come a day when you won't have that. But don't let Satan lie to you and tell that when your flesh is struggling that you're not redeemed, that you're not ransomed, that you're not adopted. Don't let Satan lie to you because he's only a con man. He's trying to swerve you from the path of life. But you've got to believe in what God said about you you got to believe in what God has done with you. So if you were to think back to the testimonies, we said that earlier. I, I can think just in my life. I'll, I'll pick on myself for a minute. I can think of just in my life. I got to thinking the other day about, I had a truck wreck when I was, uh, before I was, when I was 17 before I turned 18. And I got to thinking just the other day about how bad that wreck was. And this was just one time. There's many other times that I've been in a situation like that that Satan tried to kill me and failed. Satan tried to kill me and failed. So, because, and I'm going to say it like this, I'm going to explain it like this because you, I'm no better than you. God has preserved your life, your entire breath. He's preserved your life. The reason you're alive right now is because of His mercy. And there's so many things that He spared you from you have no clue about. Absolutely no clue whatsoever. But at the same time, Satan wants you to think you're ordinary. He wants you to think you're normal. He wants you to think you're not a son or daughter of God. He wants to lie and lie and lie. But all the time, He's being definitely thwarted by God protecting you every day. And you don't even realize it. So in this wreck that I'm telling you about, I got to thinking about how God supernaturally saved my life in that wreck. We, we talked about it then, and I was still struggling, still was not fully giving my heart to the Lord, and still had a lot of mistakes, and still messed up a lot of things. I, I understand that. I understand the reason for the wreck. But even still, in that moment, God performed a supernatural act to keep me alive. You don't have to believe me when I say that. You weren't there. I understand that. And it's hard to, to, to really believe something you weren't there. It's easy to, well, that was just a coincidence. That's a fluke. Those things. No, no, no. I can show you pictures. It is a supernatural act that I'm standing here right now. But anytime, anytime, many times in my life, see, that's going to be what, 24 years ago, almost 25 years ago, Satan has told me, God ain't with you. God ain't going to help you. God ain't going to do anything. Lied and lied and lied and see. I don't believe God don't do nothing for nothing. He don't do something for you and then quit and give up and walk away. No, if He takes time out of His day to do something for you, come on. If He takes time out of His day to do something for you, you think He's going to give up and quit? See, He's not a man like we are. 
He don't give up. See, he, he's very patient. He's very long-suffering. He's been waiting a long time for you. A long time for you. He's been waiting a long time for me. Even when I, like I've said, I've been raised in the message. This is all I've ever known as far as up here. Been waiting a long time for it to slip down and get right in here. And then that's just one part as well. And then he's waiting for me to be able to step up and put it to work. Amen. You believe that this morning? Step up and put it to work. Be able to stand on what God has given. Not in the light of another day, but with what God has done right now. In my moment. In your moment. In your time. Look at what you're called to this morning. Look at where you're sitting at right now this morning. You realize that, that you could have done any other thing this morning. You could have slept in. You could have went to brunch with someone. You could have went to any, most of you that, that live within so far away. You've passed probably 100 churches to come here. You've passed probably any other opportunity. You've passed a lot of uh, places to play sports. You could have played golf. It's cold. But you could have done anything else than to come in here. But there's something in your heart that brought you here. Now, it's not me. I, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not many things. But you understand what God has done here. And you've believed it. You've actually believed it. There's been many, I was thinking about this as we was praying for the service this morning. In this room right here alone, in the last 14 months, how many supernatural visitations has happened in this room in the last 14 months? How many healings? have happened in this room in the last 14 months? How many move of God has happened in this room in the last 14 months? But you could come here day after day and never believe it. Well, I don't know what they're getting so excited about. I don't know why. They walked in limping, but now they're running out of here. What's, what's up with that? I, I don't, but do you believe him this morning? Yes. See, I've had times before I've told you that, that so many times the Lord has healed me and I never even realized it. It wasn't like some great big sweep of faith in it. I told you about my neck. I had my neck hurt for a year where I couldn't even look right. And sitting in a service one Sunday night there in Nutbush, Michael Ray was preaching about just take God at his word, just believe him, just ask him. Just ask him, Lord, I have this need, just ask him. And I'm thinking, why have I not done that? And say, so, Lord, please heal my neck. And didn't think nothing else about it. At the end of the service, I looked real fast to the right side, and I'm like, oh, that didn't hurt. I didn't, I just asked, and he moved. But no, it must be some great big sweeping thing. No, he promised. He promised. So why would it not happen in other times? Satan's trying to beat you off that promise. He's trying to lie to you. He's trying to con you. No, this isn't your land. Your land's over there somewhere. No, this is my land. This is what's been won for me. This is what the captain of my salvation bought for me. And I say it's mine. Not just he says, but I say it's mine. I believe him this morning. I believe him. I wanted to read this to you out of the Lamb's Book of Life. This is where I got that, that, that thought of faith is the boss. I'm not wanting to turn. It's paragraph 169, Charity out of the Lamb's Book of Life, 1956. And, and I want to read just a, it wasn't necessarily this part of my heart, but I, I want to read how sweet this was. That the prophet says about his wife because it tells you how much the Lord Jesus thinks about you, his wife. And this is just a natural way to think about what God would do through a man versus what he'll do for you. He says, my poor little old gray-headed wife, how would I love to do something for her that I know she likes because I love her. And I know she loves me. And I, if I do that for my wife in the human love, what ought I to do to know that God, by grace, before the foundation of the world, seen me, 
seen me, a poor little sinner, staggering, was going to hell and couldn't help it, and he foreordained me, put my name in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world, and he says, oh, how I love him. There's no way at all. He said, no one of the Bible said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the hearts of man. He said, how glorious God is. How glorious God is. He said, don't you want to trust him? Don't you this morning, right now on a Sunday morning in 2020, don't you want to trust him? He says, if you're weary and tossed about, even if you're weary and tossed about this morning, he said, shame on you Christians that call yourselves Christians and grow around with a weary. Well, I don't know. If I go to church, well, he said, you're a poor excuse. He said, let me tell you something. Lift up your heads. Straighten up your chest. He said, oh my, use faith. Use faith. Faith is the boss. He said, that's right. Faith has hair on its chest. He said, brother, I mean it's got big muscles. When it speaks, all the worries drop from one side to the other. Well, the devil say, now you just can't make it. You can't do this. You're ashamed to testify. Faith will raise up and say, shut up. I got the four. I believe his word. I believe his word. Satan's a liar. Satan can only lie. God's word says this about me. And I believe it. Faith says, shut up. I got the four. Paul talks, I can't remember exactly which book it is. I was telling um, one of the brothers about how you must put to stop those that are, that are uh, against the faith, against the truth, and how their mouths must be stopped. And you, I can't think of what exact scripture it is, but, but you understand that that's your job to Satan. Satan is constantly spewing nonsense to you and to your family and to your loved ones. And it's your job to step in and say, shut up. You're a liar. That's all you can do is lie. His word says this, and Satan is only a lie. God's word is only the truth. He said, faith takes the initiative. Faith takes the initiative. Where you think about many times that, that um, Brother Ram told that story about when he had that stomach issue as a young boy, as a, as a young man, had that stomach issue, and the doctor had told him that if you eat, if you eat one bite of real food, you'll die. If you eat one bite of real food, you will die. And he said, I thought, I've either got to believe the doctor or I've got to believe the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus says I'm healed. He says I'll die if I eat food. He said, and I am dying anyway. I'm starving to death because I can't eat. He said, I've got so much acid and so much reflux, all that stuff coming up. He said, I'm dying while I'm sitting here. I've got to make a choice. Either believe God or believe a doctor. Either believe God or believe the doctor. He said, I'm going to believe God. I don't believe God. Faith takes the initiative. Well, you didn't feel nothing yet. You didn't feel healed. I don't care what you feel. His word says you've healed. His word says he sent his word and healed all of thine diseases. See, this is nothing but the truth. Nothing. I don't care how you feel this morning. I don't care what hurts. I don't care what's wrong. His word says, the one whose words cannot fail, whose one, his words have been since the beginning, his word will be at the end. There is no end to the word, the word that cannot change, the word that cannot lie, the word that will always bring it to pass. His word says, by my stripes you're healed. And I'll say it like this, body, soul, and spirit. See, so many times in my life, I believe that about my body. I believe God's a healer of my body. But God's also a healer of your spirit. 
I didn't realize for so many years how bad Satan comes in with complexes. Satan puts all these offenses and scars and hurts on a person to where even though your body can be perfectly fine, you can be perfectly healthy, you can be so chained down and beat up and bruised by a lie of the enemy that you can't even raise your hands and worship the Lord Jesus. He'll put a complex in you. Well, you probably shouldn't sing too loud. Someone will think that you're trying to manufacture something, that you shouldn't raise your hands, that you shouldn't jump and shout, all these things because you're just trying to fake. You know, this is, this is why I was created. But I didn't feel like worship. It is called a sacrifice of praise. You understand? It's called a sacrifice of praise for a reason. Well, I didn't feel like it. It don't matter how you feel. He's worthy. It don't matter how you feel. He's worthy. See, in the, in the natural sense, if you were to like football or soccer or baseball, <clears throat> any of those basketball, any of those things, if, if you were like that and your, your team scored a certain, certain thing, you'd lose your mind. You'd go crazy. You'd jump up and down and, and you would show anyone around how much you enjoyed what just happened. Maybe, you're like, maybe you don't like sports. Maybe you like a movie or something like that and you see something in it and it really excites you and moves you. And, and that's that part of your flesh and, and part of your humanity, yes, but you are a human but Satan will lie to you and tell you you shouldn't worship the Lord like that. That you shouldn't give him his praise. You shouldn't give him his honor. You should sing to where the person standing beside you can't know you're breathing. Tell me he don't say that. You tell me Satan don't say that. Keep your hands in your pockets. Stay seated. Don't let the word move you. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. I was listening to a sermon Brother Wayne preached a couple Sundays ago for Brother Samuel Browning over in Sheffield. And the name of the experiment was, It is a Spirit. And it's talking about all the demons. And, and, and it is a spirit, but it's a demon. You understand that those spirits are out of hell. That's a demon. They're fallen angels. That that's a demon. How that demon will get into every single thing. And, and he gave this a little, a little analogy that I really, really liked. He said, raised up here in Arkansas, he said, if I walked outside in the cool of an evening and there was a copperhead or some kind of snake out in the grass, if I go to grab a chopping hole... It knows I'm going to kill it. So even though it's there, it's going to run into anything it can. A patch of weeds, a pile of tin, anything it can. That's, that, that snake will try to escape. He said, now that's a natural thing. Think about a demon trying to get into your family, trying to get into a complex, trying to get into anything it can and stick there. And a lot of times it can hide and you not even know what's there. But the word... The word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It is a divider to the asunder. It will go right down deep and Satan cannot hide in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Cannot hide in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Even right now in this room, there might be one sitting here with complexes, some kind of spirit or demon that, something that Satan has gotten worked into, and you might not know it at the moment, but the word, let it shine and it will pull any darkness that's there. See, sickness alone, back to the physical, any sickness, any ailment, anything that's wrong with your body is a demon. Anything that's wrong right now with your body is a demon. If y'all were to take your finger, and your finger works perfectly fine, if it works real good, nothing wrong, never broken, nothing wrong, and you let me take my finger and wrap around it and pinch it as hard as I can, right now it works fine, but if I can pinch it as hard as I can, give me just a few days. Let me pinch it as hard as I can for a few days. It'll about fall off. But there's nothing wrong with the finger. Something's grabbed it. Something's got it. Something needs to let it go. That's what Satan do to you. He'll grab a part of your life. He'll grab a part of your flesh. He'll try to put a pinch on it. He'll try to hide in it. But the word always corrects the error. That Satan's a liar. Satan's defeated. And the error is that he's trying to tell you that you're sick when the word says you're healed. So I tell you the word corrects the error. It always corrects the error. 
Verse 3 of chapter 15, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, coincidentally writes in after that, according to the scriptures. See, Jesus is telling his disciples, I must go up to Jerusalem and I'll, I'll give my life and they'll, they'll, there they'll torture me, and they'll beat me, they'll imprison me, they'll chain me, all these different things and then they'll kill me. And Peter said, no they won't. I will not allow it. I will not let that happen. And he tells him, get thee behind me. A spirit had got onto him because it was contrary to the word. Even though in his flesh, in his heart, in his, in his own personal spirit, he didn't want anything to happen to the Lord Jesus. That's why the Bible says, try the spirits. Try the spirits, see whether or not they be of God. If it's contrary to this, that's not your spirit. That's Satan's spirit. Try the spirits. If it's opposite of the word, it's wrong. It's the devil, and it's an error. Now, in your flesh, you would never want to say, yes, go let them kill you. But the word is still true. And you still had to be redeemed. And so did this planet. This planet had to be redeemed. See, that sin curse happened on this planet. And it wasn't just you that's felt the effects of it. This planet's felt the effects of it. But that blood, that atonement had to be given for it as well. Now again, redemption has two parts. Whether for you or the planet of coming out of and going into. Now that coming out of is coming out of anything that's not Christ. Out of any lie of the devil, any creed, any dogma, any misconception, any misinterpretation, any scheme that Satan has put on you to pervert you from the way of life because he is life and in his there is no death. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is perfect. He is where you belong. He is why you were created. But over here, you've got to come out of all that mark and that junk and that lie and that sludge and that yuck that Satan's had you in this world that you've lived in and come away from that nonsense and move into that hidden life with Christ. And that's you. See, this world was thrown into an all chaos, utter chaos when Eve disbelieved. Utter chaos, all from disbelieving, utter chaos. This world's lived in utter chaos. It, it wasn't meant to be death ever before. It wasn't meant to be famine. It wasn't meant to be desert. All, all a desert is is lack of life. Lack of life. The prophet would tell you there about British Columbia and all up and down that Canadian Rockies and all over there. He said, I think this looks more like heaven than any other place on earth. That's not been touched by man, or even, even, even in its lowest, you know, lowest parts that it is. He said, I think it'll look more like this than any other place on earth. But, but anything on this planet, and you have all the things that's wrong, not just with the planet, but even with the stratosphere, with the ozone, all these things. It's from that mark of saying, well, that was man. No, man disbelieved, and it spread out. Man disbelieved, and you see the effects of that disbelief. You see that effects of that missing the mark. You see that effect of that sin and that curse that pulled it away from life. What happens when it's fully redeemed and brought back into relationship with him? No sin, no darkness, no disbelief. He said it, I believe it. See, you were created to be what Adam couldn't do. Now, Adam, all that had to be perfect plan of God. I understand. I'm not trying to, to, to throw any light or any bad light or anything, what it is. 
<clears throat> and that was the light of that day. And it, God wanted his attributes to be known, understand it. And God made a way of restitution for Adam. He made a way for forgiveness. And I believe all that's taken care of. I'm not disputing that. But when you have to present what was lost to what's been restored, you do have to talk about what was lost. Now, in Adam's life, in, in that first, in that first uh, maybe, may, I don't know if you want to say, for example, walking up blindfolded to the I am. Okay, as I stand here blindfolded, or even Paul would say, I look through a glass darkly, and, and this is all the light of my day, and, and I can see you this. So in this moment, I can now, I can move a mountain, I can move a tree, I can stop the wind from blowing, I can name the animals as I stand here blindfolded. And you're restored back to everything he lost. The first Adam fell. The second Adam restored you. He come to be perfect, to be brought back. The one that was to be the seed that would bruise the head of the liar, the bruise, the head of the liar, the disbeliever, the evil one, and that same one that's risen with healing in his wings that lives in your heart right now brings you back into everything Adam lost and so much more. I quoted that to you um, Two Sundays ago, out of it, it's the rising of the sun. Brother Ram makes that statement that the full maturity of the word has returned back again. The full maturity of the word. This is out of the 1964, it is the rising of the sun. The full maturity of the word. And I asked you that were here that day, who, where would, if you had to take your mind back to uh, imagine something, and, and I'll say, for example, when that I shared that with you, Brother Ram was sitting in the woods there in 1958, 59, whenever it was, that 59, that, that he, he was needing squirrels, and he's talking to the Lord about Mark 11, 22, and he's recalling that back over. Mark, if you say, if you say, if you say, and then the Lord does that, and he speaks, and those squirrels are created. He said, I had to go all the way back to Genesis 1-1 to find it in the scripture. He said, I had to go all the way back to Genesis 1-1 because this is not tearing a fish off, the fish grows back. This is not tearing a bread off, the fish grows back. The squirrel didn't have a heartbeat minutes before. The squirrel didn't have fur minutes before. The squirrel didn't have bones, didn't have legs. It did not exist minutes before. It wasn't that God said, I'm going to put it in this squirrel's mind and he's going to run over here. And, just, and No, no, no. That squirrel did not exist. They were created from nothing. And then he makes that statement after the opening of the seals. And the Lord Jesus descending with a shout. And he's standing there, Revelation 10, when all that's proved and brought to pass. And he says, now, right there, now. He said, the full maturity of the word is returned back again. So when you, if you study the Bible, if you study the message, you as a message believer, as a follower of Malachi 4, your mind should go all the way back to Genesis 1-1. When the full maturity of the word was, okay, I'm going back to Genesis 1-1. If that's true, then the creator is standing in flesh again. Come on now. The creator is standing in flesh again. You think you're still normal? You think you're still ordinary? No, the creator is standing in flesh again. The full maturity of the word. It had to fall on the flesh. It gave him a mature. You could not be sitting there in this moment as mature, immature, and, and you want to, you know, well, this person did this to me. I want to burn them up. No, no, no. It must be saturated with love. It must be saturated with the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you put a sword through my heart. I love you. I'll pray for you. You don't know what you're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You find the Lord Jesus. The last few words he made, they don't know what they're doing. You find a man that was called full of faith. Just a few books later, Stephen was called full of faith. And they were bashing his head in. They're throwing stones and bashing his head in. It was described and declared that the man was full of faith. And his testimony was, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing. 
But it was testified of Stephen that he was full of faith. Full of faith. What a testimony. The full maturity of the word. The full maturity of the word. The prophet would teach you that God believes his own word. That seems like a very simple statement. But God hides himself in simplicity. It's not some great big intellectual idea. It's simply with a heart. I believe. I believe. I believe. God believes his own word. If he became me that I might become him, that makes me God. That means i got to believe his word because he's in me. Now, the scripture, I don't, I'm not going to make it to it, but he said that, that will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he returns? Now, you have that where Jude would make that statement. I can't remember if Aaron actually quoted it the other night or we were just talking about it in fellowship, but Jude makes that statement where uh, contending for the faith that was once delivered. Now, he was telling me about that. I can't remember if, that was, if he preached that or if it was just something we was, we was fellowshipping about. You know, Jude, when the book of Jude was written, it was only about 30 years or so after uh, the other books of the Bible, as far as, you know, as far as everybody, a lot of people had passed away and Jude is there and believing. And he's telling you that, you know, so many, I mean, it was 30 years after Pentecost, something like that. He said, contend for that faith. Satan is trying to tear down that faith that was given, that, that, that was moved, that Holy Ghost put in the heart of the man that, that believed that. And it so changed their lives that even their shadow, they could walk by and someone would be healed. That even their shadow would walk by and someone would be healed. This is you. This is what you're coming into. Don't get discouraged this morning if you're not there. This is, what, this is where you're pressing toward. This is your mark. This is a part of the mark you're walking into. If you're not there yet, don't get discouraged because the word says this is you and you will bring this to pass because he's in you and this is what he does. The Bible says signs and wonders follow them that believe. He follows them that believe. Satan will beat you up and say, we don't really believe that. Uh, you can find in one of the prayers in after the seals, Brother Bram was praying for someone, and, and I love this. And I, I've, I've started praying this, uh, that, that he's praying for someone. I can't remember what's wrong with the person, but he's praying for them. And Brother Bram makes this statement after, at this point, at least 200,000 people have been healed. So many raised from the dead, so many crippled, so many blind, so all these things restored. And he's standing there and he's praying for this person. He said, Lord, if, if I'm not a believer... Make me one right now. If she's not a believer, make her one right now. That way, the scripture says that signs and wonders will follow those that believe. He said, if I'm not a believer, Lord, make me one right now. Increase that faith. Increase it to where I'll be able to believe him for all he says. And like I said, as far as what God has done, you, you've got in, in this hour, there's so many that don't even believe God sent a prophet. So many of them that, that had taste of the heavenly gift and they've since fallen away. I, I don't understand because where could you go? Where could you go? There's no other place to go but in Christ. And you're not being brought to a man that's been thoroughly vindicated, thoroughly taught. William Brown never said, come unto me, write your text to me. None of that. It was always the exact opposite, the exact contrast. You follow Christ. You follow Christ. You follow Christ. And so God used that man to bring something available and accessible that even still people that claim to be massive believers don't really believe it. They don't really believe it. Say, for example, the, 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 the mountains on the, um, is it the Wyoming and Montana border, wherever it is, um, Colorado, I always forget exactly where it's at, that Brother Ram was going through that, and he tells, uh, I think it's, um, uh, not trying to go to serve that as well, what is that message? I don't forget. That he, that he was struggling with all the, 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 the all that had come against him and people, that all that they were doing, and he was so discouraged, and, and he's wanting to quit and wanting to walk away, and the Lord tells him, he stops him, he said, you see those seven peaks on those mountains? He said, I wrote your name in there. 
He said, I wrote your name in there, those seven peaks, W-I-L-L-I-A-M, B-R-A-N-H-A-M, all seven of those peaks. And it's been said many times ago, when the Lord Jesus was creating the world, there's this great stonemason, this great, great creator, that he took his mortar board. You ever, anybody ever laid brick or seen brick made? The way you pour concrete. As you're pouring concrete or pouring mortar, as you're pouring it, it always peaks up. It flows out, depending on where you stop, it always peaks up. There's always a peak in it. It doesn't pour it out and you drop it like a cube. It's always a peak. He said, can you imagine the Lord Jesus was creating the world that he threw his mortar board out there and he wanted it to land in seven peaks for that man's name? Again, full maturity of the word. The creator is standing there doing They're bringing it to pass. And not just those seven peaks, but he asked me, do you see those three tall peaks in your name? He said, those are the three pulls of your ministry. First, second, third pull. First, second, third pull. Again, this is why God sent a prophet. This wasn't just to say, okay, God sent a prophet. Woohoo! Let's go home. No, no. Send him for a reason. God doesn't do anything for nothing. He sent him for a reason. You had the first pull, the second pull, the third pull. The first one and two was to catch the attention of the people. To catch your attention. Wait a minute, wait a minute now. God is healing someone. God is raising the dead. God is restoring eyes. He's restoring limbs. He's restoring homes. He's bringing the dead. All these, you're telling me, you're telling me God is doing that right down the street from me. That's what you're telling me. And then they go there and they see it. They actually see it. For example, there in Mexico that day, that baby had died at 9 o'clock that morning. She takes the baby, her baby from the doctor. She goes and stands in the line all day long in the pouring rain. And then when it's time for service, they get 30 to 40 ushers on her, couldn't hold her down. She said, I know how to get my baby brought back. Sounds just like the Shunammite woman, don't it? I know how to get my baby brought back. Let me get there. You won't stop me from it. And God steps down there and he brings that child back to life. That's just one. Hundreds of thousands of other things. Can, can you imagine? And, and even now, we can look back and see what God has done, not just then, but in every believer since then, that took what God said and what God brought to pass, God vindicated first, second, third pull, to now in your day, you're standing as an accumulation of faith. It accumulates. If darkness, if negativity can accumulate, then positive can blow you off this planet. If darkness, as you walk through like a magnet, picking up all this junk in this world, if that's true, then the opposite must also be true. As God, and you remember these testimonies, you requote these testimonies, this is how we overcome. I'm washed in his blood, I'm covered in his blood, and because he's washed me and loosed me, and he's doing this for me day by day, bless the Lord on my soul, forget not all his benefits. I woke up this morning, his mercies renew. I wake up tomorrow, his mercies renew. Everywhere I go, he is still my creator, and I saw him do that and I saw him do this and this and now we stand right now as a body of believers believing this word so I say it again what do you need this morning because anything's possible what do you need this morning anything's possible don't be scared to ask that's a lying devil that wants you not to ask and you ask it and you believe it and you accept it and receive it it's mine it's mine Satan's a liar that's all he can do is lie. Just poor little defeated thing. Makes you almost feel bad for him sometimes. Ain't God powerful? He's so wonderful to his people. Amen. I'm trying to find this. I want to read this to you as well. This is out of the harvest time, 1964, and I'll try to pull down to a close. Paragraph 278, Charity, out of the message of the harvest time, December 12, 1964. He's talking about the second Eve. He said, Watcher, she was created anew like he was at the day of Pentecost. 
filled with the Spirit, fed by the Word. So you must have Spirit and life. Spirit and life. You cannot just have Spirit. You cannot just have life. You must have both because, again, they work together. It is one body of the Lord Jesus. You can't have one wing and expect to fly around very well. You must have both wings. You're, you're in the eagle age. You're meant to soar way high, not just above this world, but to just leave this world and to be gone. He said, filled with the Spirit, fed by the Word. He said, now I'm getting religious. He said, I feel good. That first church, that first Eve, which was to be Christ's bride. He said, how many can I say amen to that? She was to be Christ's bride. She was born at Pentecost, not at Nicaea, not at Rome, not in London, England, not in the United States, not in Germany with Luther, not in England with Wesley, not in the United States with Pentecost was so-called. She was born on the day of Pentecost. She was spirit-filled. She was spirit-filled and word-fed. He says that again. Every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Remember, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word, every word, every word. Even to Judas, he said that. He said they just had to take everything, just word by word, a real blooming plant on God's earth. A real blooming plant on God's earth. Remember, by their fruit you shall know them. Representing Him. Him. This is why adoption is so powerful. Representing Him. You understand that? You're not just representing you as a Webster or as a Parker. You're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. So how you conduct yourself is to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they say that a hypocrite or an unbeliever is one of the worst detriments uh, uh, to Christianity because someone will want to put to it a make-believer or a hypocrite and say, that's a Christian, so Christ must not be real. No, it's the worst detriment there's ever been. But find a real good believer and you see what Christ looks like. You find a real good believer. His word of promise, it representing him, God's blooming plant on God's earth, representing him, another bride tree. A bride, and we are the trees of the field. He has chosen you for his purpose, for his will. Paragraph 279, his word of promise reflected him in her. Hallelujah. Amen. His word of promise reflected him in me. Hallelujah. No longer I that live, but he that lives within me. They had to take notice to Peter and them. They hadn't been to a seminary. They know that. They hadn't been to any Bible school, some theological seminary. They had no education. They couldn't even write their own names, some of them. The Bible said they were ignorant and learned. But what happened? They had to take note that they had been with Jesus. For there he was in them reflecting his promise. Can people take note of you that you've been with the Lord Jesus? They had to take note. His word reflected him. That's the truth. That's the truth. He said that that's what we need in this age. His word reflected him and her, the church. She was alive by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. But then as Eve, she met her fall on the word at Nicaea, where the first organization was ever organized, the Universal Christian Church. And he said, he's asking about this theologian that knows the truth. He said, God never did have an organization. He said, he never will have one. He said, that's man-controlled. It was never meant to be led by man. It was always meant to be led by the Holy Ghost. That's why the Holy Ghost was given. Not so that Peter can say, this is my idea. Not so James said, let's do this. Not so John said, that. no, no, it's to be led by the Holy Ghost. Not by a creed, not by organization. It's by the Holy Ghost. For every son or daughter of God must be led by the Holy Ghost. If you're not being led by his spirit, you're being led by some other spirit. Yeah, but some other spirit. Who do you want to be led by this morning? Well, I'll think my own thoughts. I'll go my own way. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll, you'll either walk with him or you'll walk with the other guy. 
He said, I'm a Christian. What church do you belong to? He said, there's only one. He said, I've been a Branham 55 years, and I never did join that family. I was born to Branham. He said, that's how you're born in the kingdom of God. And you're a reflection of his word. A reflection of his word. He said, notice, notice, Eve met hers. So did the second Eve meet hers at Nicaea, Rome. They gave it to a denomination, a creed, accepted dogmas instead of the word. Taking down pagan idols like Jupiter and so forth. Put up Paul and Barnabas. Took down the sun god, the moon god, Astra, the moon god with round kosher on it. Made her being the mother of the sun god, which is Jupiter. Changed the birthday of Jesus from April where all nature, all nature that proved that where he was born under the ram, because he was a ram, changed that up to the sun god's birthday, to, uh, December 25th, in the solar there, where it makes it one day. There's just only about a minute difference in the day when it passed on the 25th day of December, the sun god's birthday, not the S-O-N of God. And every one of us plays Santa Claus and decorate trees, heathenism, things like that, and call themselves Christian. He, I might need to skip that over that a little bit. It'll be a touchy subject. Will there ever rise somebody among us who can preach the word and tell the truth and God vindicate it and prove to the people that he is, remember, part of that bride tree, reflecting the word of God, vindicate it and prove to the people that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, we don't need a seminary. We don't need a theologian. We need a prophet. He said, that's right, and God promised it too. He said, and this is long, and I apologize, but he said, Eve met her failure. He said, so did the church. Gave away the denomination, rules of man to be ruled by man, not controlled by the Spirit no more. They understand they did not want the Holy Spirit to rule them, to lead them, to guide them. She went away from the Word. She accepted dogmas. He said, who can say amen to that? He said, you know, we, we Protestants accept as many dogmas as they got. When we add something to this Word or take something from it, Satan got her. He got her with the same, his same old technique he did Eve, compromising, compromising. That's where he got it, said something different from the word, a creed or denomination. The original went on to the ground in martyrdom, the birds of Rome ground that wheat went from Pentecost into the dust, burned them at the stakes, fed them the lions. They went in like the other wheat did. That's right. But he began to raise her again, that bride tree. Begin to raise her again in the Reformation, the same one, the second time, like he did the second Adam. You kill this body, I'll raise it up in three days. Kill this body, I'll raise it up like he did the second Adam. After Adam fell, he began to raise a second Adam, and the second Adam fell. Then it was taken up. The first Adam fell in his sin and stayed there. The second Adam fell to redeem a man from sin and was taken up. Every scripture that speaks of the groom speaks of the bride. Let's all stand on our feet this morning. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. See, it, 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 faith is a tangible thing. Faith is built on a rock of revelation. Faith is, is, is it's so many it's so many things that, that to have perfect faith, to have to be able to walk in that perfect light and a perfect love and a perfect word for a perfect day that God has risen with healing in his wings. It's, it, it just it puts you to a place where I'll say it again, the full maturity of the word has been brought back. So what can be done now in your day? Anything you have need of. That, praise God, I'm a child of the king. Is that what that is? Okay, you sing that too. I can, I will, I do believe.
to him just now. Lord Jesus, if we truly believe what we just sung, Lord, that we are your child and we are your son daughter of God, Lord, and we're not just sons or daughters of God, but we've been redeemed, we've been restored, we've been matured in your presence. We are your pick, your chosen bride of this age, Lord. Oh, what a people ought we to be tonight. What a people ought we to be that believe in a God that is so real, that is so present, that is meeting needs, Lord, that, that, that anything truly is possible, Lord, standing in your presence. Lord, we have needs and requests in our lives, Lord, for our, our loved ones, for our family, for our brothers and sisters, Lord, that we're praying for, that we're lifting up. And Lord, not just for them as also, Lord, but, but we want a closer walk with you, Lord. We want your love, your, 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 your life burning in our hearts, Lord. We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be cold. Lord, we want to be on fire with your Holy Ghost, Lord. So impressed with your word. So in love with your word. So in love with you, the person, Lord Jesus. Lord, have your way with this people, Lord God. We surrender and submit all that we are to you, Lord God. You are our God. You are our king. You are our husband. We know that our maker is our husband. Lord, we love you so much today. Lord, we bow in your presence. We give you reverence. We give you honor, Lord. We worship you with all that's within us, Lord. You are our Lord God. You are our Jesus Christ, Lord. We claim you. We believe you, Lord, in that marriage covenant. We believe what you've called us to. I pray this morning that you would bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, and, and so encourage them in your word. Lift them up so high in your arms, Lord God, that there would be no doubt in their mind that Satan would be a waste of his time to try to ever lie to them and tell them they're not a son or daughter of you. That it would be, he, he know it would be wasting his time. He wouldn't even know what to do with us, Lord. And we could just give him fits every time we get out of bed in the morning, Lord. Great are you, Lord Jesus. And great are you and your people, Lord. You are the Lord of the whole earth. You are the ruler. You are the creator. You are the protector, the defender. You are our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us today as we go our separate ways. You know the request. You know all that's needed, Lord. You know the, 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 the prayers that have been prayed. You know the heart's cry, Lord, behind those prayers, Lord. The, these are desires, Lord, that I believe that the motive and objective is correct. Lord, and that I believe with all my heart that you'll meet that need. There are times that we have to patiently endure. There are times that we have to suffer along. But your word is still true, and it will bring it to pass, Lord. We believe this with our whole hearts this morning. Bless our brothers and sisters for their faithfulness to come out and hear your word. Lord, I pray an extra special portion of heaven would await them, Lord. Have mercy on us, Jesus, we pray. And your holy, holy.